Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flowtrack Podcast. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. Special shout out to people watching live on YouTube. You can check out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Flow Track Podcast YouTube channel. Weren't live on Wednesday because producer Colt was out there spreading his wings, doing big and awesome, important things. But uh, we are back, Gordon Mack. How are you doing? This is episode number four hundred and thirty-five, and this mm-hmm. is probably going to be the most jam-packed episode of all episodes because mm-hmm. one, we're already having track meets go down. Like, there's stuff happening all over uh, the country. There's crazy mm-hmm. stuff that's about to happen tomorrow. And Boston Marathon's on Monday. So it's mm-hmm. kind of wild with the bout of track season. Outdoor season is officially here, in my opinion. It is in full motion. No one's lollygagging, not running. Mm-hmm. Like Everyone that should be running is running, and it's, and it's pretty wild. Uh, and we had a crazy uh, Brian Clay Invitational Thursday night special last night. Talk about that on the pod. Um, but yeah, so much to talk about, and I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, also special shout out because our YouTube video is labeled New York City Marathon Recap, episode 369, for some reason. So if you're very confused watching on YouTube, uh, that is why. For a moment, I thought it was an old episode, but then I realized I have the same shirt on. And what would the odds have been if I was wearing the exact same shirt? That would have been completely bizarre uh gordon you gonna handle that you can, I guess you can handle that while i i, I can't, can't handle it. i have no i have no idea how to access youtube our producer who handles our youtube is not around so we're just winging it so gotcha. yeah i have no All idea right. how to do that so the people will have to figure out that it's not new york city marathon happening chad is very confused at this point um real ones will understand people who are really logged in and will know that this is not new york city marathon recap um also yeah it's not episode 369 anyway uh someone preston says new york city marathon how long did i sleep for no no it is april 15th i can assure if i had a newspaper 
they made print versions of newspapers anymore, I would hold it up as proof that this is the date. Apologies for the title, mishap. It's going to get better from here, folks. This pod is only going to improve from here. Gordon, pickup contest. Break it down for us. Yeah, so we have another pickup contest. Again, if you get two questions right, you're in the running to win. These two questions span from Saturday and Monday. We're going to have you make a prediction on the Boston Marathon and a prediction on the Golden Games, which is basically a segment of Mount Sac Relays, which goes down on Saturday. So we'll start with the two que- We'll start with the Boston Marathon question. Mm-hmm. How will Molly Seidel's Boston fit Marathon? What? Well, where will she finish? Basically, will mm-hmm. she finish first, second, or third? Fourth to seventh, or eighth, or worse? I'm going with fourth to seventh. I think that's going to be the sweet spot where she finishes. Um, I'll, you know, I think she might finish higher, like in the four or five range. But mm-hmm. I think I'm not sure if I'm ready for a top three finish. But you know, hell, she got top three in the Olympics, so she could probably get top three anywhere. <laughs> but I'm going with fourth to seventh. What about you? Yeah, Molly consistently overperforms, and she hasn't had a bad marathon yet the issue is just this field is so good because there's no london you have jeb chirchir and jeb kazgai you also have azamero who's run 217 it's going to be tough to get past all of them i think four through seven is the sweet spot which by the way if she gets fourth in this race that is a huge result again that is molly seidel once again delivering in a major marathon if she's able to get fourth or even fifth, I think, would be an overperformance if you look at the start list and how deep this is. So I'm with you. Four through seven would be my pick. But hey, maybe some people out there are bold. Maybe they're going to go, hey, she's going to win it. This is it. This is her moment. I like to say I set up this article, and I predicted your prediction because I wrote Kevin Mm. fourth through seventh. So I was able to accurately predict what you were going to predict. So I get a little bonus point there. Uh, So yeah, we're on the same page there. Uh, Second question. This one is a little more urgent because the race goes down Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. It'll be a good race. Who's going to win the men's yeah. 200? Field is, you got Christian Coleman, you got Fred Curley, Michael Norman, Rye Benjamin, and then a few others. I could go through the list of others. We'll go through that um, when we preview it mm-hmm. later in the pod. But it's going to be a winner of one of those four unless you know they just all have a bad day. But yeah, who do you like here? Between Coleman, Curley, Norman, and Benjamin, I went with Curley. Who are you going with? Once again, I'm going to match your pick. I'm going to go Curley. You know, you got Norman and Benjamin debuting. Coleman's run a lot in 2022 when you count indoors and outdoors. He ran a 20.25 in Baton Rouge. But Curley's put down the most impressive outdoor season so far because two guys haven't even run yet i think he's coming into his own as a 200 meter runner after figuring it out last year so as much as i do not want to pick the same pick as you and as much as there are a lot of really good options in this race i can't wait to dissect this one by the way later on but yeah. i'm gonna go i'll go curly other you got jerome blake who's coming off a win at the bermuda games maybe you're counting on some, some scratches from some of the big names i don't want to jinx it so other could be tempting pick as well too but i'll go curly just like you so we are matched in our picks and i correctly predicted your prediction in curly uh yeah i'm going with curly as well so curly and fourth through seventh those are our two picks if you get your two picks correct you're in the running to win Mm -hmm. 
uh, one of the prizes. So keep going. It's very it's free to play. You just got to put in it's your easy. phone number, scan the QR code if you're watching this podcast on your TV or your desktop. We'll go from there. Uh, if you're watching this podcast on your TV, though, that's pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah, if you are, big screen. jump in the chat and be like, why is there a New York City Marathon recap on my TV in <laughs> April 2022? What's going on? How did it get moved to the spring? How is a YouTube show popping up on my TV? And what are these flying cars? All right, other announcements. Gordon, NCAA show is up. The pro ranking show is up. So all your rankings needs should be fulfilled on the site. Monday, we're doing a live pod for the Boston Marathon. The title should read Boston Marathon Live Pod. But read something else, then things have gone completely haywire. We're starting. You're probably at the right spot because we (laughs) are doing pods in weird thumbnails. Yeah. So 8.30 a.m. Central is when we're starting, which is a couple minutes before the start of the race. And we'll go through the whole marathon. We will talk you guys through it. We will not be showing the race live, but it'll be a fun place to have a good back and forth, jump in the comment section, ask questions, interact with the other listeners. Also, Gordon, tell me if you think this is a bad idea or not, because Mount Sac's going to be a pretty big meet. And there's also some other big races around the country. Like During the marathon, when there's some slow points, we'll probably talk about some just regular track stuff too, correct? Correct. Sure. I mean, we'll I'm I'm cool with whatever. If you want to do something, I'll do it. I mean, you're half of the pod. I'm the other half. So if you want to do mm-hmm. something, we'll just roll. So, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't make the rules. We make the rules. I'm just thinking we'll if we chat. have amounts. We'll let the chat make the rules. The chat can tell us what we should talk about. If we have four guys under 19.8 in that Mount Sac 200, we're going to want to talk about it. Is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And we're not going to want to wait till Wednesday. If Elias Next. Garcia wins the 100, we're going to want to talk yep. about it. Yep, he has entered. He has entered in that 100. Uh, we got a, an amazing kick to talk about from Brian Clay last night. Bringing back kick of the week on the Flow Track podcast. Gordon, you, you flagged this one for me. You got Morgan Beatlescum out front. Looks like he's cruising to a victory and also a very quick time in the fastest section at Brian Clay. And then he starts treading water, and Brian Fay just takes off. Yeah, and... The race basically opened up where Beetlescum made a big move with like four laps to go. And then he built up this huge lead of 30 to 50 meters. And it kind of just looked like the race was over. Beetlescum was going to win. And then people just kind of racing for second. But then Faye, as you see in this kick, just comes out of nowhere and walks down Beetlescum. Beetlescum clearly was tightening up a bit in that final 50. But man, mm-hmm. Faye looks so smooth. And it's not like he kicked hard on like a 14 minute 5K pace. They ran 13, yep. 15, 13, 16 times. So it was a hot, it was a hot pace. And Faye, man, ran out of his mind, finished uh, top 40 in cross country. I believe he's from Ireland, uh, runs at UW under Andy mm-hmm. Powell. And uh, very impressive. I mean, I was confused because I at first I thought like that's Kyrian Lum because when you look at you know ability Lum has a little more pedigree to his name than Faye yeah. at Washington Lum was ran well in that Drake Relays 5K uh, ran well at the NAIA scene but Faye mm-hmm. man just out of nowhere from left field from right field from center field from all of the fields just like <laughs> walks down Beatles come 
and like he's walking down a 352 miler he's walking yeah. down someone who's kind of having one of his best seasons of his career it's not like mm -hmm. again it's it's very impressive my favorite part about kicks are when you go from no way to oh my gosh it's going to happen in the span of two seconds and where it happened for me watching this race was just past 200 to go because you see Beetlescombe look and before that you're just thinking there's not enough track that's such a big gap he's going to close really fast but he's not going to get him but then you see Beetlescombe look and you're just like oh no it's happening it's definitely going to happen, and it's just a matter of when the pass happens. Like right here, you just see the difference in turnover at that point, and you're like, it's not – it's only going one way at this point. I love that about kicks. Yeah. Uh, is Brian Fay now all of a sudden a sleeper 5K pick mm -hmm. for outdoors? I mean, I thought Beetlescum was the sleeper 5K pick for outdoors because, you know – Beetlescum in the 3K indoors. Obviously, he was yeah. coming off the mile, so you can't really put much weight into it. But now that Beetlescum gets beaten by Faye, I'm looking maybe Faye can potentially win the outdoor 5K. I'm not picking him, but, you know, mm -hmm. it changes it up the dynamics of the men's 5K at the NCAA level. Uh, one other note I want to talk about on that Brian Faye, Brian Faye Invitational, the Brian Clay Invitational. Um, <laughs> they renamed Taylor it. Rowe ran... Taylor Rowe ran really well. She ran 15 20, uh, kind of destroyed the 5K field. Uh, that got me kind of excited to see, you know, she comes off her 3K win. Now she throws down a fast 5K. Uh, yeah. It sets her up well for being one of the top favorites going into the outdoor championships. Mm -hmm. Pen news. Pen relays coming up. Devin Allen, who just signed with the Eagles, he's going to get acquainted. With his new city. He's running, oh, yeah. Gordon. The high hurdles. Should he wear an Eagles jersey for this race? Should he wear an Eagles helmet? Should he just be all shoulder pads up? You know, just let's go all in. That might slow him down. So replace his hurdles with some linemen, you know? So give him <laughs> something that he should run it with the football in hand. That would be kind of cool. If someone throws him a football mid-race and he catches it, that would be, be kind of wild. No, this is going to be cool. Right. I mean, anytime... This might be the first time a, an active professional big four sport athlete competes at the Penn Relays, like Philadelphia sport athlete. That'd be kind of cool. I remember when Chip Kelly, former Oregon football coach, mm -hmm. when he just signed to become the Eagles football coach, obviously he had connections to Oregon and Oregon and Chazarek and all them were there. And he came mm -hmm. to like watch the University of Oregon compete at the Penn Relays. And it was kind of cool mm -hmm. to see, like, the football coach of the Eagles, like, come to a track meet in Philadelphia. Now we're mm -hmm. seeing an active player. Obviously, he's not just a regular football player. He's an Olympic hurdler. But it's going to be kind of cool to see uh, the way the fans react to him. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to go – people in Philadelphia are going to get hyped. Like, I just know the way Philadelphia media react to things. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. They really love their athletes, and this is going to be a perfect way for, like, the city of Philadelphia to kind of learn who Devin Allen is. And I guess yeah. a lot of the Philadelphia diehard sport fans are going to learn what track and field is in a way. They'll be like, oh, 
Philadelphia does this cool badass track meet every year. You know, it's gonna mm-hmm. if he goes in and wins it, it's gonna bring like I think it's gonna have a snowball effect on like now obviously mm. Philadelphia Penn Relays, they're gonna get a lot of fans no matter what. But you know, the people who only know about football or basketball, it's gonna be playoff time for basketball. Yeah. It's gonna be cool to be like, yo, our new kick returner. Just won this track meet in our backyard. It's gonna be yeah, pretty cool for them. Do you think if he rips Ben Simmons in the post race interview that Philly fans would like him even more? Like, should that be a move that he makes? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things yeah. you can do that can make you loved by Philadelphia fans. Uh, mm-hmm. For those who follow Philadelphia sports, Philadelphia third baseman Alec Bohm a few days ago found a way to be loved by Philadelphia in the most unusual way. So. He basically told the entire crowd of Philadelphia fans that he fucking hates this place. And it was caught on camera. And then in the post interview, he said, yeah, I said it. I didn't mean it. I love this place. I just was, I was just upset with myself. And now Philadelphia gives him a standing ovation every time he plays because Philadelphia fans are weird and they also don't hate, they also hate their own place. And when the players, you know, it's like a weird way of connecting. We're just Self, we're weird. We're a weird bunch of people. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't a Philadelphia Other, sports podcast. This is a track and field podcast. But when Devin Allen is running at Penn Relays, it becomes <laughs> a Philadelphia sports podcast. Other Penn news wanted to mention. They announced the high school fields, so you can go check those out. Uh, Juliet Whitaker running the mile. She's run two hundred one four thirty eight. Gary Martin is in the mile. He just ran a four flat. Gavin Sherry, who was third at uh, East Bay, he's running the 3K. So we got some big high school names in addition to all the other college names and pro names that we've mentioned before. But you're going to see some really, really top flight high school competitors too. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Gary Martin does. He ran a solo four flat, man. And like... It's just showing that these high school kids that what we used to think as all-time great barrier marks are becoming more and more normal where you're now soloing four flat. You're not, you're not even hopping in a fast pro race. I mean, I remember when Michael Slagowski ran his sub four in a random high school meet a few years ago, and we're like, whoa, that's kind of weird. Now we're seeing mm-hmm. kids solo, solo four flats at local track meets. and. Mm-hmm. It's exciting to see what he does in this mile because now there'll be more attention, there's more fanfare, and maybe we we get a a first ever sub four high school mile at the Penn Relays, which would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. History, history at the Penn Relays. Uh, we'll also see scheduled to compete Penn Relays Allison Felix, who announced on Instagram recently that this is going to be her final season. Reading from the post here, she said, as as a little girl, they called chicken legs, never in my wildest dream would I have imagined out of a career like this. I have so much gratitude for the sport that has changed my life. I've given everything I have to running. For the first time, I'm not sure if I have anything left to give. I want to say goodbye and thank you to the sport, the people who have helped shape me along the way. Um, She talked about also in this post that the season's not about the clock. So it's just about her getting out there and competing and running and Knowing the type of competitor that Allison Felix is, Gordon, the fact that she's saying it's not about the clock kind of gives you an indication of what she thinks her goals and expectations are for this year. 
she hasn't released a full schedule, so I don't know if we're just going to see her at a couple meets and then she'll run at USA's or if she's going to run post-USA's as somewhat of a farewell to her. But as someone who likes closure with athletes, like I enjoy when I know, okay, this is going to be the last go-around. I don't like the surprise retirement announcement. I appreciate that she did this. You know, Sonia Richard-Dross had a similar approach to, to those Olympic trials when everybody knew, okay, this is her last race. Um, I also think it's interesting when she's just like, for the first time I know, like, I don't have it. Like, I don't, like, I'm not, <laughs> my body's not there um, into doing it. So, I mean, her career, like, I went back and looked at her career. This is ridiculous. She broke on the scene, you could say, 17 years old, 2003. So her career spanned 18 years. So in those 18 years, there were 14 possible teams to make. She made 14 of them. She made all of them. She ran an individual event in 13 of the 14. And she won an individual medal in 11 of the 14. So there's only three where she did not win an individual medal. One was 2003, when she was a 17-year-old, and she went out in the semis of the World Championships. One was 2013, where she got hurt in the 200-meter final. And, you know, she finishes that race, doesn't get injured. Who knows um, what she could have done there. And then the other one was 2019 when she made the team in the mixed relay. But you remember, she debuted that season at USA's, basically, and got onto the team in the 400. After pregnancy, uh, coming off, too. Yeah, coming off after that traumatic experience, um, giving birth. So you look at it from that perspective, and it's really hard to put it into context because you see phenoms right who have a and and successful phenoms have awesome careers they make two teams maybe three teams and then you see people who come on late in their career and they were a late bloomer and then in their late 20s and early 30s they want to have a great career felix was both of those things combined turned up to the maximum possible level here because if you think of our current phenoms let's just take one man one woman for the us let's take Aaron knighton in the sprints let's take a thing mo in the mid-distance. Now, Thingmo won a gold. Aaron Knighton, you know, didn't. But they're both, you can both say they're both promising athletes, you know, both really young. They broke out, you could say, in 2021. They'd have to compete to match Felix's career. They'd have to be relevant, be in the medal picture until 2039. 2039. Do you know how old Gordon Mack's going to be in 2039? Do you know how old we're all going to be in 2039? It's crazy to think of it in those terms. So, yeah, Felix's career, I mean, I don't know, the historical comp, I, you could almost say something like LeBron, where they come in with, like, these high expectations. They have setbacks, but they also reach the pinnacle several times. The career isn't perfect, but it's, you know, the, the, the longevity and just the meeting of expectations is what stands out the most. Let me first to admit, I was a little, uh, not harsh, but like, I was zigging while everyone else was zagging on my Allison Felix takes for the past few years. You know, <laughs> I always want to be first on predicting the end of an athlete, and I wasn't good at that. I was a little three years early on that prediction. I think mm -hmm. it was because of 2019, I was thinking, oh, she didn't make an individual event, so what are the odds? She's old, and then obviously she 
shattered those odds in 2021 when she won an Olympic medal individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, my thoughts on her over those past few years are not really indicative of my thoughts on her over her past 18 years. She clearly is based, like you said, laying out her longev- longevity, going 14 for 14 on making world teams. Mm-hmm. Only time she's not meddling at the world level is because either, you know, coming off a of pregnancy or injury or being 17. Like, yeah. So it's not like she, she always had like a legit normal, yeah, I'm hurt or literally, hey guys, I haven't been training as long where I'm 17. There's good reasons not to be top three in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when you do look at her career, when it's all said and done, it's going to be a career that very few ever replicate mm-hmm. yeah. you know because yeah. of the just the, the it's so hard to be on top of your game year in and year out three times every four years like it's very hard you know mm-hmm. we you look you talk about lebron i mean it is lebron i mean when lebron made the finals for like eight straight seasons was it eight or mm-hmm. nine even though he didn't win every time to make the finals eight consecutive years in a row yeah. on a different team, you know, from Miami, Cleveland, then Lakers, like that is <laughs> insane. Mm-hmm. And no one's ever going to repeat that because there's so much chaos that can happen in a, in a team sport. And you could mm-hmm. say the same thing about Allison Felix. It's insane that she was healthy and fit enough to elongate a career for 18 years. Yeah. My so main this thing, is... I, well, this is starting with 04. Let me just read these medals. This is all 200 and 400. Silver, gold, gold, silver, gold, silver, bronze, and 11. So she got two there. Gold, then hurt. Gold, silver, bronze, 2019 season, bronze. It's, it's hard enough to make the team. It's hard enough to make the final at the World Championships at Olympics. But to come away with a medal virtually every single time. It really is like people wonder why, you know, now, like, why does Alice Felix get so much media attention? Look at how long she's been in the picture. Look at how long she's been in people's lives, winning medals, not just making teams, but winning medals. And even if you only paid attention at the Olympics, that's the only time you paid attention. This is what you saw. Alison Felix win a silver in 2004. In 08, she wins silver in the 200 and then gets a relay gold. 12 she then she gets gets the gold and the story was can she finally get the gold even though at that point she was 26 and had world championship gold but if you're just paying attention to the olympics that was the storyline she finally does it she gets her gold in 2012 she get adds on two more relay golds then you see her in 2016 she gets the silver in the 400 remember that race shawnee miller Weibo, all the controversy with the dive right all this attention all these big time races around her and then she gets the relay gold as well then you go to 2021 her one last ride race and she's able to still summon out a bronze. Like she was in people's lives for those 18 years and just never really disappointed and was always in these high pressure situations able to perform at a high level. And just for track, that's it's just it's just rare to see that in track. Yeah. It's very rare. I want to know, she said in her retirement statement. Not running for the time on the clock. I'm running for joy. Mm-hmm. Now, this just makes me think, all right, all right. Well, 
How fast what is joy? For, for, wait, how fast is joy? <laughs> yeah, how fast Over is under. joy? Because, because joy, fa- how fast is joy for me? Is clearly is not probably the same as an eighteen-year vet at the world world level. So what do you what what do you think? How fast? This is a good prop bet. Predict her time in the four hundred. Predict her predict her PR. Her, her predict her seasons her her season best this year in the four hundred. I think she can still get out there and run a 51. I have no idea how much she's been training, but I exactly. also think she's, she's unknown. She's an, What's yeah. joy? What's the joy? How much joy do you but train? She's enough, she's enough of a competitor where I think she's not just going to go out there and jog. Now, see, if it was me and I wanted to milk it for all it's worth, I'd go out there the last one, run 95 seconds, just soak it all it's in as I go around the track. But I don't think she's going to do that. Listen. Part of me thinks ultimate zag here. Ooh, she's she's going for it. She's just she's just laying low. She's fit. No, <laughs> drops like a forty nine eight. Yeah, I, I would say 50, 51, 51, 52, something like that. I, I guess we'll see at these other meets. Um, I don't know how long the season is going to go. With Richard Ross, she got. Am I remembering it right? She actually got hurt right before in sixteen. I've seen her remember she she ran a hundred going going into the trials and then got hurt. So then she just um went out there one last time. And I, it was a appropriate send-off. Like it was befitting of her career that she would go out in front of a packed house in Hayward Field. Yeah. Oh, she didn't she pulled up. She didn't finish. I'm just yeah. I I yeah. What is joy pace? That's what I want to know. Like yeah, you know yeah you, you got fart like pace, you got race pace, and then you got joy pace. I don't know what joy pace is. So I'm trying. Do to you know? It. Like do you do you agree that you like when you know when it's over? In track. Yeah 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 yeah. Well no well actually, sometimes it can be good and bad right. In track, it's going to be fine, like, whatever, because our sport's not big enough for people to really, like, hate or anything like that. But, like, there was a lot of college basketball fans were very upset that there was just a oversaturation of Coach K yeah, because yeah. it was the retirement tour, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I just, like, we think that's bad when LeBron James announces – in yeah. August, this is my final season. It mm-hmm. is going to be 365 days of just LeBron, right, right. LeBron and everyone's going to be like, "We get it, you're retiring." You know, mm-hmm. so the retirement tour sometimes can be a little too too much for people, but that's more in like the bigger sports, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think in track it makes more sense because. No one really in track is ever going to retire at the peak of their ability, the way like a professional athlete yeah. might in other sports. Like you're not going to have like a John Elway type moment really in track because if you're on the verge of retirement, you're also not likely to be making world teams, right? So yeah, yeah, it's, it's it just it's, yeah. I just contrast it with. 
there's also less events. Like baseball, Derek Jeter's retirement was like 162 games of standing ovations. Yeah. Nobody wanted yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in, let's go back to the basketball example because that's what we do best here. You have the Kobe model and you have the Tim Duncan model where no one knew Tim Duncan was retiring, sends a press release, he's just gone. Just gone. Whereas Kobe announced that ahead of time, there's all these ceremonies, there's people packing into the stadiums one last time to catch a glimpse of him. Drac doesn't have a multitude of stars like that, but Allison Felix is one of the stars. So I think it would be totally appropriate. I don't know if she'd want to do it, but to go around all these Diamond League meets and run one last time and make one last appearance. I mean, you contrast that with Bolt, right? Yeah, how did he do Bolt's- his retirement? I forget. Well, his last race, he was on the ground in the four by one. Torres hamstring is on the ground. Did we know though that was his last race? I think we had suspicions. I don't know if that's a good question. Someone in the chat can help jog my memory. Do we know Mo, uh, Mo Farah? He has yet to like. We knew. Yeah, it was Mo Farah has. He has yet. To, yeah. Nope. Mo Farah hasn't done it yet because he like retired and then he came back to try to run a 10k like two or three years later. Like we have. Uh, I actually have it. We have an email in our inbox, which is like subject t- line, like what is Mo Farah doing? And it's someone like genuinely confused. It's like, is he training? Like, is he <laughs> retired? Like what's going on? He's in that weird, we talked about that before, this weird middle ground, this weird purgatory between clearly not as good as he was, but doesn't want to go out the way he did. So n- he's trying to have that one last hurrah, make that one last British team. Felix is much more... I don't know. It's just like everything in her career. Like it didn't go perfectly, um, but it all had a purpose to it. It all seemed to drive the next thing. And her doing this just is totally aligned with the rest of her career where it's really planned out. It's really methodical. Um, and yeah, you'd ra- would you rather go out saying, hey, the season is not about times on the clock. It's about joy. Or would you rather go out not, you know, not people not knowing it was your last race? It, with injury, like going out on your own terms has to feel good. Yeah, when I look back on it, there's a lot of weird retirements from greats. Like David Rudisha, that's a yeah, weird retirement. Yeah, never. You're like, oh, yeah. what? he's gone. Okay. No, you, dude, you can, you can weird. still Bernard you can still read weird. articles. You can still read articles where it's like Rudisha might come back. Yeah. You can find <laughs> that somewhere on the internet. All right, so people are reminding us that uh, people did know that London was his last race. But, okay, here's his 17, though. If this was his last race, he ran uh, once in Kingston or once in Melbourne in a 150. Then he ran in Kingston, Ostrava, Monaco. That was it before the World Championships. So he didn't have a big farewell tour. Yeah. Track athletes are weird with their retirement. I think it, they may – I think sometimes track athletes feel like – ashamed that they're retiring because it's like they yeah. feel like i'm not as good as i once was and it's like i mean there's something there's something about running where when you can't get back to where you once was you feel like you're a failure when really it's like mm-hmm. no it's okay like age happens people get older and you're not yeah. supposed to pr every year for forever eventually you go on the other side of the, of the curve yeah and i think some athletes have a hard time like recognizing like because it's not like they they work out less or like start you know slacking they work out just as hard 
but the exact same workout just doesn't return yeah. a similar result because of age exactly. and you know injuries. Um, but yeah, I like they the way Felix it. is doing it here. It's like it, she's being upfront about it. She's not trying to like. I think it's good that she put in the line. I'm not racing for time. I'm racing for joy because then it yeah. sets up the expectation, and there's not like a. Yeah. It also sets it up for a surprise too. So, like you said, I do like the whole. She could be clowning us. I mean, she's like, "I'm going to tell him I'm running for joy." Meanwhile, yeah. I'm doing, yeah. you know, cut down three hundredths yeah. at forty nine second pace. So I know we, that we knew it was Bolt's last season, but just like the last memory of Bolt having to get you know carted carted off the stadium. He's not walking out, yeah. right? He's 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 limping out the stadium. I kind of like that though too. Not, I didn't want him to get hurt. Let me clarify that. Yeah, I did yeah. not like that part. But like the whole idea of like you've given everything, yeah. and that was it. Like we saw him at his high, saw him at his low, and his body isn't able to do it anymore. And but I also like Felix's way of doing it, where you're able to go out on your own terms, you're able to understand before the season starts that this is going to be it. And it did make it difficult though, because I looked at my four hundred rankings and I had her fourth. Just because like that event's so wide open, and then this post comes out, and I'm like, well, do I drop somebody because of the Instagram post? I'm gonna wait to see what she yeah. runs first. I guess you have to though. Do you, do you guys... remember your? Do you remember your last race and the way you retired? Yes, I do. So I knew that when I was done with college, that I was never gonna get the opportunity to run. With that amount of focus again in my life because i've been accepted into a teaching program and i knew that like i pretty much knew i'd never be able to get prs again at those short distances i was like maybe i can run a marathon again so what i did was the second to last week of college i just signed up for every race that i could because i said this is the going out of business sale like everything must go <laughs> we're liquidating everything so i think what happened was i ran a five thousand with the club i was on the club team to be honest, so we're going real slow here, folks. We're, we're not talking, we're talking 70 levels below uh, even where Gordon was at D3. So I went like a club uh, 5K on like a Friday, I think a road mile, and then a, and then a 3K, all within a six-day period. But you know what I did? Like, you know what I did, PR though? PR all three? PR, 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 and I'm out. There you go. I'm out. I'm out. I'm That's done. perfect, man update that list there you go perfect but then i started thinking why did i just race a bunch more this is fun well that's the problem because like then you get what? then you get addicted to you get addicted to the chase of the pr then you start realizing yeah. like oh crap that's a good yeah. way to go out you went out on three prs yeah. in three days it's pretty damn impressive well and it just shows you the mentality how that can impact your actual running because not in the 5000 because 5000 is too long and too painful but definitely in the mile in the 3k i was thinking this is it this is it. Soak it all in. This is fun. And the, the 3K was an intramural 3K on Hayward Field. So it was cool to do it on Hayward Field. And I outkicked somebody like the only time in my career. And I was just really happy about myself. So yeah, that's how I did it. How did you do it? Uh, so I ran the 400. And first of all, I did a countdown of the workouts. Because I knew all right, I only have one, like, because Tuesdays, Thursdays were the workouts. Tuesday was the hard workout. And so yeah. I just like... I like would count down. Oh, I only have to do three more Tuesdays for the rest of my life. Two more Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. 
looking so forward to the final week of training. Cause I was like, this is my final workout. I'm never going to have to work harder in my life. And then, uh, my final meet was conferences senior year. And I kind of had a disappointing retirement because <laughs> I had, I'll tell you what happened. So I had prelim in the 400 and I ran extremely well. I won my heat. Mm -hmm. I like, I felt like I was jogging. I ran like 50 flat, just chilled. And I was like, oh, I'm going to rip a fast one in the final. But I'm really bad with taking care of my feet. And I ran without socks and these spikes were weird for some reason. It was a hot day. And I formed like a giant blood blister that took off the entire pot bottom of my foot. It was like the, the width of my entire foot. And I was like, shit, I can't walk on my foot right now. And so I spent the entire rest of that track day figuring out how to like take care of it. I went to the trainer, didn't know what to do. Tried, I tried popping it. That wasn't going to work. It was all this. So then I, so then I was like, all right, I'm going to bandage it up. We're going to just run on yeah. pure adrenaline. Next day, final. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to manage it. I don't know what I'm doing. And I also have the four by four. Don't get me wrong. And our four by four was supposed to win. So final, I'm like, all right, I, I can do it. Step on the starting line. Within four steps of the start of my run, the blister pops. And it, I just scream excruciating like i say like i say like fuck really loud like four steps into my run because i was like i'm in pain so i'm basically running an entire 400 like yeah. there's a sword going through my foot i finished the race Finish? i finished like i finished like fourth or fifth but i don't run well because i'm like in pain the entire time i'm mentally yeah. out of it and it's like disappointing i quickly cross the finish line i take my shoe off and it's just like blood everywhere it's just red it's just like excruciating wow. pain i can't step on my foot and then i'm like crap i can't run the four by four and so i get taken off the four by four because i can't walk on my foot i have to watch the four by four on crutches and we had the lead going into the anchor and i would have been the anchor and then we lost and it's frustrating because i'm like oh, i probably would have won i would have i would have won that race so you had so, that was so you had a bolt type exit basically yeah it was frustrating because I want, because the four by four is really important to me because we had a all freshman four by four my freshman year, and like most of the guys stayed with it. So we're like, yeah. and we never really had like a big moment, and that was like gonna be our big moment senior year. Yeah, we win the four by four, and then I got hurt. Yeah, they they, they yeah, basically replaced me with someone who was like had a two and a half second slower PB. So it's like, gotcha. right, we're not gonna win. Yeah, all downhill for Johns Hopkins. Yeah, all point. downhill. The They're program now, hasn't though. recovered since. The program <laughs> no, no, they've recovered on the cross country. <laughs> they won like thirty titles. All right, Mount Sac preview, and then Boston Marathon preview, and then at the end of the show, we will uh, definitely recap the New York City Marathon. Um, just kidding, that was a joke. All right, uh, let's start with that two hundred. Curly, Coleman, Norman, Benjamin. I'm excited. I'm excited to have all these guys toe the line here. All of them have run well at 200. Um, none of them, it's their primary event, but all of them have marks that uh, make them legit. Um, 
what do you think about this race? And I guess I, I want to ask kind of the same question I asked last week about the Bermuda games. Like, who do you think it matters the most to? Like, who's in most need of a good race? I think it matters most to Coleman. I think Benjamin obviously doesn't matter at all because he's like, whatever, guys. I'm not part of this party. I'm doing the 400 hurdles. You yeah, guys yeah. can fight and scratch and claw for 200 and 100 meter wins. I'm I'm just here for the support my teammate, Michael Norman. <laughs> uh, but I think it, most important to Coleman, I think uh, he, every time he races, it's all about trying to get back to where he was in 2019. I think mm-hmm. second most important, it's for Norman. Mm-hmm. I think Norman obviously has had some great highs and some low lows. And I think he looks at what Fred Curley has been doing for the past 365 days. And he's like, I should be that guy. I can run nine, eight. I can mm-hmm. run 19, seven. Like I need to be doing what Curley's doing. And I think Curley has become the guy that we all thought Norman would be. And I think, this might be a moment for Norman to be like, hey, I may not have done it the past few years, but maybe I, 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 if I can get a win over Curly today uh, on Saturday, it puts me back in the conversation of, all right, no, yeah, I, got, I'm a, I can run a, a low, low sub 2200. I have the 43 second strength. I have the 9 8 yeah. speed. Like, I can match what Curly does. I may not be able to win a hundred meter dash the way Curly does, but he's getting closer. You know, the 200 might be yeah. more of a sweet spot for me to tackle it. So I think Coleman, because again, he needs more races under his belt and Norman, because I think he needs to kind of prove to the world that he can re-enter the Curly category. I don't think any of us thought between Norman and Curly, one of them would go on to win a hundred meter bronze. Like that was not in the car. Like if Curly went, to Tokyo, yeah. Sorry, um, sorry, my fault. Um, if Curly went to Tokyo and like won the four hundred, then you could have been like, oh yeah, that was supposed to be Norman's trajectory. But Curly took a completely different route to this that surprised all of us. I think he's the favorite here. You know, he's run a good one this year. He's run a good, run a good two, run a good four. He's he's the favorite in my mind. I think it matters most for Norman by a pretty wide margin. Like Coleman at this point running a two, he gets in this top, you know, if he beats one of these other guys, I think it's a solid run. If he gets top two, I think that's great. I think the focus is 100% on the 100. But Norman, I just feel like he needs a good race. He needs some good momentum. After the Olympics last year, he ran three 100s. Do you remember that? He ran the 100 at Pre, 990, got fifth. Ran the 100 at Brussels, 998, got third. And then one in Padova and ran 997. I don't know if that was just because he wanted to take a break from the 400. Wouldn't blame anybody for wanting to take a break from the 400. Or if it was a signal that maybe he's going to try some shorter stuff or sprinkle in some more 200s um, this year. He didn't run a single 200 last year. In, in 2019, he ran two of them, and that's where he ran his PB of 1970. He's a good 200-meter runner so whether or not you're looking at this from the perspective of hey can he contend for 200s i know his coach has said he's still focused on the four 
or you're looking at it from the perspective of what does this mean for his 400? I just think he needs like a, a positive performance, like a really solid performance. Um, and that includes beating most of these guys. Yeah, I can, because Coleman is more focused on the hundred, I can, I can see how Norman is a more important stakes for him. But at the end of the day, it is only April. Not that we should belittle our sport and just like throw it all out. But who cares who wins or loses? It's April. I mean, that's what's going to happen though. Whoever wins, whoever loses this race is going to say it's April. And whoever wins this race is going to say, you're damn right. I won this race. So, uh, well, okay. Look at Norman's history though at Mount Sac. Yeah, he has a good history there. Fastest time of his life in the 400, 43, 45. So he can run fast and he can run fast early. Women's 100, I saw Elaine Thompson hurrah was a late add to that, along with uh, Tiana Daniels, Tamara Clark in there as well, too. What do you think Elaine Thompson hurrah runs? I think she's going to go. I'll say 10, 8, 8. I think it's going to be faster. We had what her- those college kids run 10, 86. Albeit Wendate did a bit, but. I'm talking about legal win. You want to talk Wendate? You want to talk Bermuda wins? You want to talk five, five meters per second no. at the back? Well, then, then we're talking about talk, I just want to talk normal wins. I, I, okay, normal wins. Let me look at last we, year. We need a reset. I think she's going to run 10, 7. Last year she opened with an eleven two. In Jamaica. And then she ran ten then she ran ten seven in but that was windated in Claremont. Her first I think she runs I think she runs ten seven. Ten seven eight. All right. I'll set the I'll set the over under it at uh ten eighty five then. Oh I'll take the under. I'm hammering okay, the under. Hammer the under. Yeah. I I really want to see the for the Americans because that hundred meter meter field is interesting this year. Um because Clark, keep an eye on Tamara Clark. She ran well at Texas Relays. And again, don't forget Tiana Daniels, who, as you said, all she does is do what, Gordon? Make teams. There you go. I was really can I, can I hoping that you news? remembered that. Is it actual breaking news? Or are yes, you going to say something like it's Duke actual lost? News. No, it's actual the breaking game. news. Duke has won the game. <laughs> A NCAA athlete has turned pro. Can you guess who it is? Male distance. Garrett Nagus? No. Mm. Signing with Hoka 1 1, or I guess they call just Hoka now. Hoka NAZ. Abi Ahmed Nur? No. NAZ Elite. Um, I don't know. Did Brian Fay sign a contract like after the kick last night? Is that what happened? No. Congrats to him if he did it. Here, here's his quote. Getting oh, wow. this opportunity from Hoka and as the elite gives me a chance to continue my running career. Oh, did you look it up? Did you look it up? No, Colt just pulled it up. Shout out to Colt oh, for Colt, giving me the answer. Wesley Kip too. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you for, uh, for throwing that up there, Colt. I appreciate it. Okay. Congrats to Wesley Kip too. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that... I mean, he's still the outdoor season. He's like going pro before, like he still another. Well, we so we saw a couple years ago. A bunch of people went pro during the middle of indoors. Uh, didn't he just run, or was he entered this weekend? I think he was entered this weekend, wasn't he? Yeah, he's entered this. He's running the five k at Mount Sac. 
different jersey. I don't know. I mean, if you can get paid to continue to run, I say go for it regardless of when it is. He, you have to think his value was higher before because he's had a rough couple championships. For a yeah. while there, he was prohibitive NCAA favorite, but you never know how much money is being offered um, for these things. The whole, yeah, the whole idea of going pro in the middle of the season has always been a bit strange to me um, from the perspective of everybody involved. Because even the pro company, like, wouldn't they want some, like, hey, finish out your season, right? We don't want to rock the boat too much with your training, your situation, and then go from there. But, yeah, had he run, had he run since indoors? No, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Yeah, I mean, it kind of has it has a, like a Sammy Watson feel. Remember Sammy Watson? She wins yeah. outdoors and then kind of had a struggling indoor, and then all of a sudden she's running for Adidas. That's what kind of has the vibe of. It has like a yeah. All right, back the to power the year before. Sorry. All right. Well, I don't, was that worth breaking news? Was that worth it? No. Not in the middle, no, not in the middle. Oh, of that come on, that might have been no. a, that might have been an end of the show. He's... No, might have been an end of the show. Come thing. on, not no, I disagree. Side. I disagree. Can you run these by me next time? Like, text me. I have my phone right here. Just like, text me. Hey, da da da. da. Should I add it now? And then I'd be like, no. I we had a good rhythm good going. News. I thought that was good breaking news. Thank you. All right. Oh. I, ask the chat. Chat. Put type one if you thought that was good breaking news. <laughs> or two. Could ones. it have waited to the end of the Mount Sac preview? Could it have right, waited? We're fine. I think this is the, never mind. This is right. a mega pod anyway. This is the mega. Well, we need to we need to make the, we need to speed this up. Uh, someone's got three kids at home here. All right, women's two. Uh, Gabby Thomas, Tamara Clark again, Prandini, Tolu, Brittany Brown. Uh, I'll just run through a couple more of these. The men's four: Kenny Benerick, uh, Michael Cherry, Allison Dos Santos. Women's four: Dalila Muhammad, Shamir Little, uh, Phyllis Francis, Devin Allen's in the high hurdles and the flat hundred. Men's eight: Hopple. Um, Jesus Lopez, Isaiah Jewett, women's eight, Raven Rogers, Sinclair Johnson. And then the distance events, you got some Bowerman people in there with Schweizer in the five, Crane in the 15, and Jager running his first steeple in a long time. What are you looking forward to there? Uh, ben Derrick in the 400. It's going to be fun because he was a, a wild 400 meter runner at Juco his, his one year uh, there. Ran some like crazy indoor 400s. Yeah. Um, I kind of like, I, I wish Ben Derrick would do the 400 more. I want Ben Eric to become a 2-4 guy and not a 2-1 guy, but he seems like he's kind of focused on the 2-1. But I think he could be a great 2-4 guy. Um, Cherry, he has that streak, right? What's the streak? He has the 44-second streak. How many? Oh, that's right. We're going to restart that? Yeah, Cherry, 44-second streak. Um. I don't, I can't, I just Googled that, that nothing came up, but. Let me see if I uh, can find some breaking, breaking news on his streak. Do you, do you think uh, he continues it? Yes or no? So the streak is, was this in all races or just finals? It was all races. Okay, let me count it for you then. I can do this then. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. It's 14. Yeah, 14 of course he around. does. Keeps the streak going. Does the sun rise in the east and set in the west? Of course. I kind of want him to like never run a 45, 45 for the rest of his life. 
Like he needs to make sure he always is running forty four nine or better. Like, yeah, that'll be that'll be kind of wild. Uh, I I think the streak continues. I think it's going to be hot pace. Um, other thoughts: Muhammad running the four hundred hurdles. She mentioned no, four hundred flat. Oh, she's running four hundred flat. flat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put her in the rankings, by the way, in the four hundred after she because yeah. she's running this and she's going to run it at USA's. That's enough info. We barely get any info about what a lot of these athletes are going to run. So the fact that she's said that, I'm going to put her in there just for fun. Uh, I think that's going to be a cool race because then you have Shamir Little, another person who can run a really fast flat 400, but is a four-meter hurdler. And then you have Francis, who's one of the country's best 400-meter runners. I think that's exciting. I mean, seeing what uh, Devin Allen can do in a flat 100. By the way, Grant's running a flat 100 this weekend too, I think, as well. In Florida? Yeah, in Florida. So... There's a bit of the people doing some off-distance work because that men's 200 field, those guys are pretty, I mean, pretty much all off-distance. Curly is every distance, so it doesn't matter. Um, and then those, those 400s, you have Bednarik and Dos Santos running off-distance or off-event. You have Muhammad and Little. You have Allen, Holly in Florida. It's going to be cool. Like it's, it's people putting themselves into uh, early season tests. But I think the distances are related enough that we'll be able to learn some cool things this weekend about how the season's going to look. Because if, like, if, if Shamir Little or Dalila Muhammad runs like a crazy open four, that's going to be great. Like, that, that's obviously a great sign for what they're going to do with the hurdles. Not a guarantee, but it's a, it's a good sign. Okay. Here's my one thought. I'm going to send this to Colt so you can bring it up. Put it in the, in the, in the, in the thing. Right at the top. Uh, so you talk about those distance athletes. I'm not really thinking too much about those 800s. That's more of a, I'll wait and see what type of 800 we're going to get out of it. Schweizer and Cranny in the 15 and, and the 5K. Um, it's, you know, Bowerman doing their whole debuts. You have an unknown. But I do want to talk about Evan Jager. Because mm-hmm. he already ran his steeple. He ran it yesterday. And he lost. And he ran 8.30. Oh, I didn't even. I, yeah. I did not know he that. He ran a time that looks like a college time. He beat a D2 athlete by two, less than two seconds. Clement, they're going, they're going, not to, I'm not trying to diminish D2 or in that way. Again, big fan of D2 and D3. Uh, but mm-hmm. he didn't. That, when you look at that result. With Evan Jager getting second run eight thirty four does not look like the result of a world medalist, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, Jager has been going through. When's the last time Jager's been like healthy? Was well, he healthy the question or eighteen? Eighteen. Last time. Question is when's when's the last time he finished a steeplechase race? Remember, because he ran last year, but just paced it basically. He didn't run one in twenty twenty. No, in nineteen he was hurt, didn't run at all. Yeah. So, so he eighteen really, was his eighteen. Right? Eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Four yep. years. It's crazy. Yeah. And 18, we he see was an one runner. Yeah. We see this result. 834-89. Yeah. Second in the race. Again, we don't know the pacing. So what? We, we maybe if he was running 820 pace, he would also run 822 yeah, yeah. or whatever. Um, but I look at this result, and I think Evan Jager is not the Evan Jager of 2016, 17, 18. It's a 2022 mm. version of him. And I think this result in my mind opens the door for the rest of the U S steeplers that like J 
Jagger is not a guarantee to take a slot of the of the three spots, in my opinion. I don't. Yeah, but think... didn't they know that already? I mean, he had. You're talking about two consecutive teams, 19 and 21, where he wasn't there. Yeah, I think but, people have grown accustomed to that. I know prior to that he had this really long streak and he owned the steeple and he was basically from uh, 14, well, from 2012 to 2018, he ran between 808 and 801 every single year. Like he was a lock for a really fast time. I think he's not an, he's not an 830 person. He's not an 830 person. But he's also probably not a sub 810 person anymore either. He's somewhere in between those two. He's somewhere in between him at his best and this first race after not doing the event for a couple of years. I disagree with the take that because he wasn't at USA's in 19 and 21, that everyone knows that Evan Jager is not the same. No, I, I think pe- when you miss a, a championship, you're, people don't think like you're washed and you don't have it anymore. They think, oh, he was injured. Like, but you're talking about thinking isn't 35. Of it. He's not like an old man. But you're 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 talking about it from the perspective of oh there's an well he's thirty three, uh, there's this crack open that like now there's this open spot that hasn't been well I'm just saying he is thirty three. I was surprised. Hey, I thought he was I thought he was like thirty one. Y- younger than me. This this opportunity has been available there for the last two championships. The last team he's made would have been seventeen, which is five years ago now. I I get what you're saying. Yeah. Evan Jager, he's good enough. His reputation precedes him that if he enters a race, especially at U.S. championships, you're going to have a hard time saying he's not on the team. All I'm saying is we've gone through this for two cycles now where he wasn't there. You sent a steeple team in 19, and you sent a steeple team in uh, 21 that didn't have him. So, again, I don't think I don't think it's he's not an 830 guy all of a sudden, but he's also – Ways from eight ten or sub eight ten. You think he makes the team? I guess that's event is so weird, right? Because you got guys retiring who could make teams. Yes or no? Right now, I'd probably say. I mean, is McGordy going to run it? I don't know. That's not the question. The question is right now. I'd say no. I'll say, I'll say no. I'll say no right now. What do you think? How dare you? How dare well, you disrespect the Evan Jager and the Bowerman Track Club like that? I'm not. I'm not. He's, I'm not. Disres- He's the American record holder, you crazy man. I'm respecting I'm the event as a whole and its ability to evolve. I'm looking at last year's U.S. ranking. Hold up. No, I, I've enjoyed watching Evan Jager all those years. Fantastic athlete. Uh, Board, Keeter, Updike, Furlick, McGordy. Uh, Ali and Mahalski all ran well eight twenty or faster. Eight sub eight twenty one that group. So, I mean, here's the thing: Evan Jager doesn't need to be eight oh four Evan Jager or eight oh one Evan Jager. Yeah, to he make needs to be eight. He needs to be eight fifteen Evan Jager. I'm changing my pick. Oh, already? Look at that! I'm already. I'm already backtracking. Well, which one of these guys are any of these guys going to become sub eight ten guys? You know what? We'll find out. You know where we'll find out? I got another tweet for you to post. Uh, we'll, we'll find out at... Dang it. We'll, find right, out at the Pen, we'll, we'll, we'll find out at the pen release. 
because the Penn Relays is going to have a steeple race with mm -hmm. a lot of these guys in it. And I think uh, let's look at the Penn Relays field for the steeple. You have Updike, you have Furlick, you got Trippus, Tri Trippius, who's a Princeton runner, Mahoney, Mann, Doty. I mean, Updike okay. and Furlick. I mean, Updike and Furlick are like the two guys who yeah. you have to. He needs to get ahead like, of. Yeah. yeah, he needs to get ahead of one of those guys, or at least both of them, maybe. Because if you obviously yeah, American, you feel good about Keeter and Bohr. Yeah, Keeter yeah. and Bohr are going to be there. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what Updike and Furlick do. I want to see and one more Jager race. Him. I know that's cheating, but I want to see one more steeple. And I think if you told me he's going to run another steeple and he's going to run, even if it's if it's mid eight twenties, then I'm back in. That's all it takes. Pull you back in. Well, you look at this and you think, okay, well, maybe it is doable. Yeah. Maybe he can run 818. How fast was the steeple at Brian Clay? Let me see. Ben Steeple. Oh, it wasn't it wasn't fast. It was 842. Okay. Yeah. They just, they race so sparingly. The other thing, the other argument, I guess, for Jager is that his other, like, races aren't that bad. Like, 13-13 indoors this year at BU. Yeah, now, I know 13-13's not what it used to be. And then you go to 2021, like, he ran a, a decent, no, 3K742, but, like, 2020, he ran... He ran 13.12 in the 5,000. He ran some some decent shorter distance stuff. Ran a 356, 356 mile. Like, I know that's a couple of years ago now, but he just – He's making a team. steeple up. I've decided. Okay, that's right. Okay, well, see, you went he's full circle. Yep, he's making Hopefully, if you're an Evan Jager fan, you listen to this entire segment and not just the first minute and a half because it really took a turn there. <laughs> he's making the team. About, I decided. About 80% of the way through. When he said 13-13, I was like, nah, he's going to make the team. That shows he can. So then what is this? This is just him being out of sync off his rhythm yeah, and the Yeah, I think steeple? it's him okay. yeah, not having a good last 400 with the steeple. Yeah, that's what I think it is. Because you're just so, burying him a second ago, talking about D2 wow. people almost beating him. <laughs> I mean, now all, a D2 now person all this, did almost beat him. How many gold medals? It's true. How many gold medals you won? Um, okay, are we done okay. with that so, even though this is titled the New York City Recap Pod, <laughs> we now are going to get to previewing the Boston Marathon. So, if you're listening to the audio version, hopefully it's not titled New York City Podcast. We, hopefully the audio version has no, I'll change the correct that. title. I have enough say on that one that I can change it. Let's start with and the If you're watching field. the archive of this on YouTube, we probably changed the yeah. title back to the normal, so. Yeah, then you don't understand any of what we're talking about. <laughs> Let's start with the women's field. Uh, Perez Jip Cheer Cheer, Jocelyn Jip Koskai. They're both coming off of huge series of wins. They got to be considered the co-favorites. Azamaru ran 217.58 at London. Then you have um, several other women in the low 220, high 2 teens range. Uh, Des Linden is entered. Molly Seidel, of course, expected to be the top U.S. finisher. Um, 
I'll just start. I'll talk about the international field, Gordon, and then I'll let you chime in on what you think Molly's capable of and, and Des and however many other Americans you want to talk about. This Jep Chircher, Jep Koskai matchup is interesting because we talked about the big, big three, those two plus Bridget Koskai. Koskai, the world record holder, had suffered some losses, but then she comes back Tokyo, runs a big race. I think that means she remains included in this big three. But with Jep Koskai, you have the London Marathon champion. Jep Chircher did well. She won gold at the Olympics and then backed it up in New York with another win. They both run incredibly quick times. I'm leaning Jep Chircher because of the depth, or sorry, the uh, breadth of experience on championship style races, Olympics, New York City, et cetera, et cetera. But when you have two other women who are sub 218, and we know how things can go haywire in Boston, I, I wouldn't consider her a big favorite, but I do consider her the favorite. Now, when we talk about the American side of things, you have Seidel in that four to seven range, which means she's going to need to beat some people with PRs that are much faster than her. Good news, my Seidel has made a career, although it's been a short career so far in the marathon. She's already said that she can beat people with PRs that are faster than her. She's proven it time and time again, bronze at the Olympics, um, podium, uh, top five finish in New York City, good finish in London, et cetera, et cetera. What do you expect to see from Molly here? Is there any reason to think she's not going to just continue to be a solid marathon performer who continues to outpace her expectations? Well, I want to say this first. Predicting marathon performances is the hardest thing to do in track and field. Because... Unlike other events, you don't see marathoners. You see them like once a season. And so you have no idea what they've been doing for the past three yeah. months unless you follow them on Instagram religiously or on Strava religiously. And I don't do that. So when you make a prediction, you always are making a prediction based off of their, their best, right? Mm -hmm. But you have no idea if you're going to not get their best because one, you don't know their training and you don't know, mm -hmm. you know, whatever happens in a two and a half hour long race. So I'm going to make a prediction based off of her best. And if it's wrong, it'll be because she either had, because, yeah. So it's, I'm not going to try to predict that she's had bad training or predict that she's going to have a bad day. I'm just going to predict if everyone has a good day, where will she fall? Yeah. Yeah. And I think if everyone has a good day, I mean, I think she's going to fall in the four through seven range. And I think mm. she's probably going to finish sixth. Mm. That's what I'm going with. No, wait, yeah, wait, I think she'll get it. I think, go ahead. Go ahead. No, fifth. No, 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 Great. no. I'm changing it again. I'm changing it again. Fourth. She's going to finish fourth. Okay. Stop in there. Fourth. We're going with fourth. You're right. It is, it is hard to predict, but usually what you can do is, is you can look at PB's past performances. You got to look at when the person ran the PB. So if the PB is yeah, yeah. 10 years old and then you look at recent results and they haven't finished anywhere near the top five, then you can kind of move them out. And then you take that top tier and you can count on a certain percentage of that top tier coming through. Like... Of Jep Chircher, Jep Koskai, and Azamiro. I would guess two of those three will have a good day. 
one of them will have a great day, right? You, you, that's usually been the pattern. So someone like Seth. Huh? Changing my answer, Change your answer. Again. Back okay, to go fifth. ahead. Just going to fifth. Okay. fifth. Are, you just get, are you getting new info? Has there been breaking news in this segment? Oh. That are you looking up Strava times? No, I'm just, I just I read, I read, read, read the list, and I changed it back to fifth. She's going to finish. Okay. I'm 100% sure oh. on this. And again, fifth is a really good result because you have two exactly. of the best three women in the world here. This is a deeper marathon than the Olympics. This is a harder marathon. Yeah where she finished third and got the bronze in 2021. People need to understand that. With no London this year, this field is stacked. You put Cosguy in there, it would get better. There's obviously some other women who could fill it out, but this is a really, really deep marathon. Let's go to the men's side of things. Because for the men, you have all those recent, uh, all those recent champions, right? Starting with, you know, Kiprutu and then working your way backwards. So again, you have a situation where it's just kind of you're trying to pick what is going to be the deciding factor in this race. I like Chirono just because he's been real consistent. But since you have all these recent champions, you have all these people who have shown themselves who are you know very equipped to run well at this course. Uh, Cam War, I think, will get a lot of attention in terms of a pick because he's been on the scene for a while. World half guy, um, fast splits um, in, in the half marathons that made people shake their head in wonder but i mean had injuries had that unfortunate incident where he got hit when he was riding running um, by a motorcycle has had injuries since then so a little bit of question mark for him so i would go with chirono um u.s side obviously i don't they're gonna have to have a great race to get in the top five this is not the same situation as the women i think even a top 10 here for the men would be a good result for American runners. This is not the usual Boston Marathon. I'm going to repeat that again because there's no London. This is not the usual Boston Marathon. It is much deeper. Don't let the fact that Elliot Kipchoge is not here trick you into thinking this is a lesser field. This is a very, very good field, a very, very deep field with guys who are used to finishing this race. Because they're past champions, Gordon, you're not going to have a situation where a bunch of them just bail at 15K. There are people who understand the course and know how to run the course. Yeah, and when you mention American men, I don't think any American man's finished in the top 10, bro. Like, I don't even know if I'll see an American in the top 12. Like, I think we'll have one American in the top 15, and they'll finish in 11th to 15th place. I think one American mm -hmm. will be in the top 15. I just, I know, like, what Colin Benny was what? At Boston in the fall. Yeah. Eighth, yeah. Seventh or um, Yeah, I think he got – well, they had, so you had, you had Albertson there who was leaving his mark on the race by pushing the pace. You ended up with Benny in, let's see, 21. He was seventh. Seventh. Um, but still, that was a completely different situation, right? Because that was the week when there was – all the marathon majors in the world were happening. Yeah. So the fields were spread out. But yeah, Benny was seventh and Albertson was 10th. This field's just, just better. It's just better. It's just deeper. So someone might be able to pull it off. Someone might have a great day, uh, but it, it's going to take a big effort. I would be more shocked 
if a man, if the U.S. man finished top five in this race, then I would be with Molly winning the race. I think I wouldn't go that I'll far. Be more, but... I'll be more shocked if a man, if a U.S. guy, U.S. man finished top five, than I would if Molly Seidel won a race against two of the big three. I'll be more shocked. Yeah, I, 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 dis- I disagree. I think I mean, the gap you... between Molly and winning is sh- smaller than the gap between a U.S. man finishing top five. Yeah, it depends how the race plays out as well, too. The weather looks to be good, but that could always change things as well, too. But I take your point. They're a long shot. Let's just be real with it. And that way, if they do well, you can say, honestly, hey, this person had an amazing day. It wasn't just because the field was weak. So you got a a tough task ahead of you if, if you're a men's marathoner on Monday trying to get a top 10 finish. Um, so like we mentioned, we're going to be doing the live pod on Monday during this race. We're not showing the race to reiterate. We're not showing the race, but we'll have a live pod starting eight 30 central, nine 30 Eastern, six 30 AM Pacific on Monday. Um, checking on the chat, all pro athletes should be banned from motorbikes. No, I think he got hit with a motorbike. He was running. He wasn't riding on a motorbike. It was running for my understanding. He got hit. Uh, but I do agree. He was running that. from a motorbike. The motorbike was chasing him down. No, he was running along the road, I think, and he got whacked. Just like um, very unfortunate incident for him. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. We got to go. Colt's been patient with us. Marathon pod. One, some might say the best ever New York City Marathon recap pod in history. <laughs> Way better than the actual New York City Marathon pod. Yeah. Re- redo an episode number 369 here on the Flowtrack Podcast. Any last words, Gordon? Uh, play the pickup contest with the QR code. You got till tomorrow to fill out the men's 200 winner. You got till Monday to pick Molly's finish. I think mm-hmm. I let you wait till halfway through the race to predict her finish. So I kind of made the deadline so you don't have to, you can watch a few miles before you actually make your pick. Why, why'd you do that? Don't do that. It's not cool. You know, because the thing is, like, if you forget to play the game and then you're watching it, it's like, oh, I want to play. And like, 5k in is that you how you gamble make a pick is that how you gamble oh i forgot to bet it on the sixers and now it's the first quarter i am by 16 i'm trying to look at i did do some bad calculation on all right the sixers are plus 1400 to win the nba title if i put thousand dollars down i could win yeah fourteen thousand dollars that's a lot of money you're doing it wrong here's what you do you want to know the strategy you bet against your happiness so that way you're happy either way bet on the rap bet against them every single series and then i thought all right this is what i could do i could parlay bet on the raptors i'm not gonna put 100 bucks on the raptors no the raptors yes. are gonna get, dude no, they're gonna get swept the sixers are gonna sweep the raptors bet on the raptors do you want to win a title or not this is a tried and true method bet on the other team and then if you I lose don't, I, you have I don't money. want to I'm lose just... money to win. I'm not willing to spend money to lo- to win a title. I'd rather just win the title, as if I'm it's doing not, it. You know? It's not how it works. All right, we're Sixers. They play tomorrow, so I'll, I'll I'll be in a good mood this on Monday is, or a bad mood. This is going to be rough Sixers for me, Gordon. folks. Here we go. Here if we you go. have any tips, send them my way, please. How to deal with a co-host who's going to be going through emotional anguish for the next every 48 hours, indeterminate amount of time. Yeah, especially. in I'm sharing an Airbnb with this guy in Penn. It's just going to be 
Imagine me doing a pod if we actually the Sixers are in the finals and it's like, yeah, I wouldn't even have day. you on. I wouldn't have you on. I just do it solo. Colt will be up to speed by then on all the running going on. He'll just have his mic on the entire time. Hey, is Brian staying at the same Airbnb as us in yeah. Philadelphia? Okay, cool. I'll just talk yeah. to him then. Awesome. All right. Okay. I just need to know if I can avoid you at all costs. You can avoid it. Sounds like. Yes. Hey, come on. I'm not that bad. No, nah, you were pretty bad last year. Is is pretty is pretty awkward. Not gonna lie. Well, that was I was at your house though too, so I was on your turf, so I couldn't be like, "Hey, dude, you might need to chill." And then you like left, you like went upstairs, just like disappeared yeah. for a while. That's what you do. You leave. I left the situation, and I, you guys get to live a normal life. I did a great. But thing. then the next time I saw you, you were logging on to do the pod, so it was kind of weird. Like, hey, Gordon, remember <laughs> downstairs twenty minutes ago? Yeah, when I freaked out. Well, you should have been there. It was weird. It was very weird. It's fine. I'm sad I missed it. Oh, man. All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy Mount Sac. Enjoy Brian Clay. Enjoy the Boston Marathon. We'll be back on Monday. Thanks to Colt for producing. Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page. See you next time.